The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome back to another episode of Trading Secrets. We are in the presence of not just one, but two CEOs, the power combo. Steven is a CEO in the farming industry, plus the meat snacks industry. And Kurt is a CEO in the construction business. Here's the catch. One is a multimillionaire and the other is not. But one thing they both are, are now reality TV stars on Fox's Joe Millionaire for Richer or Poorer. Whoever tunes into The Bachelor every Monday night is automatically going to be intrigued by the premise of this show. It involves two guys, two leads, looking for their soulmates with 20 women. But the women do not know which is a multimillionaire and which is not. There is a whole lot of drama. We are lucky enough to have them here to get the inside scoop while the show is airing on the money behind their careers, Fox's TV show, and much, much more. So without further ado, Kurt and Steven, thank you so much for being here today. We are so excited to have you. Thank you so much for having us. It's, uh, you know, this is one we've been looking forward to finally get to talk about not only the reality TV side, but a little bit of business and finance as well. That's right. I mean, this is a perfect, I think the podcast and the premise of the show is a perfect fit for all the things we cover because sometimes we cover reality TV. Sometimes we cover how much is made on reality TV. Sometimes we just uncover all things business. You guys hit on all of that. So I guess the first thing, and I want to get into all your backgrounds and your business backgrounds and, and the show and everything, but I just got to kick it off with like, how in general does it feel every single episode you're recording and watching to be trying to figure out if these girls you're dating are figuring out or have figured out your monetary status? Like, what is that like? Uh, Kurt, go ahead. Yeah. You know, it is funny to watch back. I didn't know that they were putting so much stake on it at the time. Uh, so it's funny to hear them talk about the reasons why Kurt might be the rich one or why Steven might be the millionaire, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's very interesting and our professions were kind of set them up for it because construction can be a very ambiguous industry. So, you know, am I just a general contractor? Am I a builder? Am I a developer? Uh, you know, what am I? And, and they, they played those questions. And then same with, with Steven over here, is he a small time farmer? Is he a small time rancher or, or do they have a big operation going on? So yeah, it's funny to see it play back. That that's pretty cool. Steve, what do you yeah. think? Yeah, you know, for uh, for Kurt and I, we, you know, we we're staying at a separate uh, house. We were on the same property, but a different house. And so we'd be up there and we're like, man, what it would be like to be a fly on the wall down there in the girl's mansion. And now we're getting to watch it all back on TV, yeah. seeing those conversations that we were wondering uh, if they were taking place and seeing just how uh, inquisitive they are regarding, you know, which one of us is which and how they were framing their questions to try and figure it out. And, uh, you know, it was a little bit of a challenge uh, for both Kurt and I to try not and dive dive back into our histories, uh, who we are, what we do for a living. Uh, we talked in very uh, common generalities around our businesses. We didn't get into specifics at all. Interesting. Yeah, I found it fascinating what I did before. So I got this interview, guys, for listening. And so I said, I'm going to watch both episodes and I'm going to try and figure out myself who it is. And what I watched, what I found interesting is last episode, Stephen, when you were talking about the fact that you were, you'd never been to the opera. You'd never been to like a high class mm-hmm. date. And the, the line that got me was when you're pouring the champagne and you say, I don't even know how to pour champagne. <laughs> I'm just going to pour it like my whiskey. I'm like, wait a second. that That's the multimillionaire talking here. So mm-hmm. that caught me uh, by surprise. We're going to get into some of those little details and how people react and what your thoughts were. But I got to ask point blank, multimillionaire, 10 million plus farming, you know, where did majority of the wealth come from? Yeah, so I do several different things besides just farming. Uh, so I have commercial and residential real estate properties in Kansas City. We have uh, express car washes that we're now building out. I've got eight currently under construction. And then we've got a custom home building division. 
Uh, and then our farming and ranching side is both on the ag side and the protein side. So running cow-calf pairs. So involved in several different industries. We only really focused on farming uh, during the show because we didn't want to uh, obviously let the women know that I'm into several different things, but then confuse the audience as well. But, you know, I'm very diversified across my portfolio and, and really it all kind of uh, has led to success. It's not any one business itself. It's all of them combined. I love it. So when I hear all those industries, I think some of the things my listeners are be thinking are like, what has been the most lucrative for you or maybe the most surprising across the board there? Is there any one of those businesses that for you is, yeah. is the home run or the one that you're really excited about? Yeah, real estate, no doubt about it. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. And, and so, and what about, is it the passive income? Is it the appreciation? What yeah. About? So uh, for me, it was the multi-family uh, properties. Okay. Um, you know, whenever we were purchasing these things, started off in 2014 through 2016, buying these multi-family properties. Uh, and then in 2018, we had a bunch of foreign investment money. So a lot of it was Chinese or Middle East investment money that came in, uh, interested in purchasing these properties. So I was buying them at 20 to $25,000 a door and I ended up flipping them for 50 to 60,000 a door. I uh, thought that was going to be the top end of the market. And they just, I just sold the property uh, in 2018 that just sold this past year. I sold it for 65,000 a door. It just sold again for 125. Damn. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. It's kind of crazy. It's a, that's a wild word and, world. And Kurt, I'm going to get into your uh, business background in just a minute. I have a few more questions uh, for you. No, no, keep going. Uh, Jace, this is, this is perfect. This is all we did on the show. Actually, it was great that we had each other. <laughs> Because this literally is all we did was was this yeah. kind of talk right here. So, I, yeah. I love it. All the behind the scenes stuff, which is great. I mean, <laughs> so what and then I'm thinking, so obviously, Steven, smart guy, well diversified, got a lot of going on. At what age did you do you think like what age did you become a millionaire or multimillionaire? So it would have been uh, three years ago when I actually started selling those properties that I started to classify myself as a, as a net worth of a of million dollars plus. Uh, and you know, that is just paper value. Uh, you know, it's not like I have literally $10 million sitting in the bank. I think that's something that a lot of viewers may be confused about, but uh, you know, it's net worth, not actual liquidity or actual cash value. And so a lot of my uh, value is tied up in both ag land and those uh, residential properties that I've discussed. I'm just curious about this uh, Apex Protein Snacks brand. So yeah. my understanding is you run it kind of separately apart from the, the, the farming business. I'm just curious, yep. that intrigues me just a little bit about like the revenue, the growth, the venture. Yep. What's it like? Yep. Tell us about Apex Protein so, Snacks. For me, when I'm evaluating businesses, uh, you know, I'm looking for uh, about the exact opposite of what the farming operation is. So I'm looking for low labor, high automation, uh, e-commerce sales, reoccurring revenue. Uh, and I get all of that with this Apex protein snack. So it's a consumable. So as soon as you're done eating it, you have to buy another one. So I get the reoccurring revenue. So my sales are not just one-time sales. I usually gain customers for life. You know, it's all handled through through a third party fulfillment center, okay. and so basically everything is handled through the e commerce site. I'm paying a company to pick, pack, and ship the products, uh, and really, other than that, it's a pretty hands off deal. I'm mostly focused on the marketing side and placing POs for new orders. Uh, I did just build a manufacturing facility that's coming online in February, so all manufacturing uh, for the meat sticks, meat bars, wow. summer sausage, and jerky basically will be brought in house. Wow, that's fantastic. And from like a revenue standpoint, how's that business doing? Uh, it's doing well. So that just launched in November of 2020. Uh, and in the calendar year 2021, we did over $1.5 million in sales. So it's doing solid on the revenue side. There you go, guys. Protein snacks, the real estate. Steven is everywhere and anywhere. Kurt, I hope, man, you were picking his brain when you guys were just hanging out because I know you've had success, but he's got, there's a lot going on there in, in Steven's portfolio. Oh yeah, it was it was awesome. I mean, there was so much behind the scenes of that. So it was probably the best part of the show uh, and of this whole experience. Honestly, was was meeting uh, you know a man like Stephen. How did I get in construction? I studied construction man management in college. I worked as a handyman all through college. After college, I did a couple different things. I actually had a business with a buddy uh, at a car detailing company, which he's still up and running. It's doing very successful. Uh, I kind of got away from construction for a while. And I realized that that was the one thing I was truly passionate about. Yeah. And as soon as I got back into construction professionally, which was six plus years ago now, I started off, I cut my teeth in the industry as a construction manager, then moved up to the project superintendent. And from there, uh, I had acquired about 20 million or I built about 20 million of new construction under my belt at that point. And that, that gave me the confidence to say, okay, maybe it's time, you know, maybe I can step out and do this on my own. 
And I started off very small, started off doing residential jobs that quickly moved up to commercial, uh, where I was acting as, I wore a couple of different hats. You know, I was just taking on anything I could just, just, just to keep business coming in. Uh, so I was doing more of subcontract work there. I was doing some steel erections, some masonry work, some concrete work. And then now I've really focused the company into a commercial interiors. Um, and that's kind of the niche I'm trying to stick in. Yep. I still have a, a couple of residential jobs, some outliers that I'm trying to finish up right now. But uh, the, the direction I'm trying to steer the business is commercial interiors. I would like to just work for a few developers, restaurant owners, uh, office developers, and just kind of chase them around, trying to create a, create a nice little business with that. People are going to hear you talk about this construction management. I studied construction management. They're going to think what I'm thinking. How much can you make in that role? So if you're not the mm. 10 millionaire guy yet and you're on your way, like yeah. what can someone expect if they think about getting in the construction industry to make in some of these roles? I'm so glad you brought this up because this is this is something I am inspired by. I feel like there's a there's a large void in this marketplace. There's not there's not many young kids who want to uh, get into construction. So so I see that that being a problem down the road. Uh, you know, if I'm one of the youngest people in the industry, that's not a good thing. So we need some young professionals to fill the roles. And there's really good money in construction. I mean, when I started off, sure, no, I started off as you know project engineer. I wasn't making that much. I was doing scheduling, cost estimating and whatnot. But as you graduate up to some senior levels, if, if you get into a construction management role, a project management role, or even a site superintendent role, uh, I mean, good site supers are over $100,000. A good construction manager, you know, starting off at, you know, 65, 75K with some bonuses. So there's good money to be had. And some of the field guys make the best money. Now, also, it's a grind. I mean, you're going to be putting in 50, 60 hours. Uh, of some hard labor. Uh, and I mean, maybe not hard labor unless you're truly one of the tradesmen, but if you're a super, it's still a pretty hands-on job. So Yeah, no, I'm glad you brought that up because there is a lot of money in that industry. And I think like any industry, when you get your feet wet and you start to learn the basics and the foundation, you could peel off, do your own thing and, and sky's the limit. So we're big here. Yeah. I'm manifesting here. And I've specifically learned the power of manifesting from my better half, my fiance, who just kicks ass in every business she touches. But let me ask you right here, we're manifesting this. When are you going to be a multimillionaire? What age? Give it to me, Kurt. So I just turned 33. Okay. Uh, multimillionaire. I, uh, yeah, I think 35. Uh, no problem. Okay. So. I like that. There you go. Few years down the road, he'll be there, and this whole Joe millionaire, one guy rich, one guy not so rich, is going to be a bunch of bullshit. So, what we're going to do, <laughs> though, guys, is we got your background. It's cool to understand your business background, where you are today, and where you plan on going. I want to get into, this is usually not what we do, but since we have two leads here of a show, we're going to change it up. We're going to do a little rapid fire questions so I can get to know you guys better and the listeners that maybe haven't just watched like the, the show. Just like the girls. Yes. There you go. Just like the girls. <laughs> just like the girls. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. Yeah. Just like the girls. All right. Me and David, the curious Canadian, pretend we're one of the 20 girls you guys are dating. All right. All right. So the first one, we'll go Stephen first, Kurt second. What is the most money you've ever spent on a night out at a bar, club, casino, or something like that. One night, what's the most you've ever thrown down? Uh, I picked up a $1,400 tab that was supposed to be split among my buddies and they all got blacked out. So I ended up picking it up. <laughs> $1,400. Okay, not bad. For, yeah. for a guy worth over yeah. $10 million on paper, I'd say that's pretty frugal of you there, Stephen. All right, Kurt, give me a price. Yeah, tab. yeah, that's pretty solid, Stephen. Uh, I spent, and this was uh, my own doing, uh, close to $800 one night. Yeah. <laughs> I love well, it. Something tells me the parties after the show are going to get a little crazier than the $800 and $1,400 yeah. tabs. Yeah. All right. Now we got, but make sure when you go to those clubs, boys, that they're paying you to be there. You're not paying for those tabs. Things have changed. <laughs> right. All right. What is one thing? Let's start with you, Kurt. You spend too much money on, but you're just like, I understand it. I recognize it. I'm going to keep spending money on that. Uh, clothes. Absolutely. I have no regret buying clothes. It's uh, it's kind of a side passion of mine. Okay. I like that. Steven? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I'm an outdoorsman, so I'm going to say hunting gear. Uh, I spend the hell out of uh, some money on some hunting gear. I like it. All right. This is one you guys had to think about while going through this process, Steven, especially you. So I just want your overall take. Yay or nay? Prenup. Let's start with you, Steven. Ha! I'm not getting married without one. I can tell you that. <laughs> there's a business. There's a businessman at heart, Kurt. I, you know, I don't know. Uh, if I, you know, I want to get married one time, so let's just let's throw that out there. So I'm gonna say, 
uh, I'm going to say no, but you know, I don't have what uh, Steven has to lose. So. <laughs> All right. So there we go. We got ask him yet. when he's, ask him when he's 35. <laughs> yeah, we'll come back go. in two years. We'll be like, fuck yeah. 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 No, all right. <laughs> How about this? So the girls, I thought this was a really interesting twist. For anyone that hasn't watched the show, go check the show out, Joe Millionaire. Uh, but the girls, if they win a one-on-one, or at least last episode, they have to make the decision if they want a fancy date or more of a laid-back date. And so what I was curious, I want to turn the table to you guys. What date would you prefer that the girl that you were going on a one-on-one would take? A laid-back date or more of an extravagant date? Let's start with you, Kurt. I do like the finer things, so I would lean towards a more extravagant date as long as it wasn't a cotillion. (laughs) You're done with those? Yeah, I'm done with those, but I would (laughs) lean towards something fancy. I mean, I do like getting dressed up. I do like having a reason to celebrate, so. Okay, I like it. And Steven? Yeah, honestly, I'm a simple, simple guy, so I like the more laid back, uh, low key style. So that was kind of the funny dynamic between Kurt and I was because I don't even know how to tie a tie. And Kurt knows all about these fancier things in life that I have no clue about. That is, I mean, that had to be strategic and that had to be throwing these girls off left and right, which is, it was. Yeah. and to it watch was. it back's got to be hilarious <laughs> knowing that. I know, it was funny. All right, last one of this rapid fire. And then I want to get into a little bit of your pre-show dating lives. But if I give you a million bucks right now and you could put it in, you can do anything. You can invest it for a return. You could spend it on something. I throw a million dollar check your way. I'm just curious. It's always good to hear different perspectives. There is no right or wrong. Steven, what are you doing with the million bucks I give you? Real estate, hundred percent. Okay, commercial real estate, multifamily. Uh, you know, honestly, ag ground is what I'm looking at right now. I think commercial real estate's a little overinflated, but I think ag ground can be bought for the right price right now. There you go, million bucks. That's where Steven's putting it. All right, Kurt, talk to me. What do you got? Yeah, can I split it? Say it again. Is it got to go one? Can I split it or is it? You can split. Go one you can spot? do whatever the hell you want with it. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, it's going to go real estate as well real estate development and then investing in some other companies that you know I'm brainstorming. So I'm gonna invest in myself and invest in some real estate. There we go. All right. So we got your breakdown of investing. Would you ever buy uh real estate in the metaverse? Nope. Nope. I, I, I don't understand it. I don't yeah. Steven and I even we've talked about this at large now. We're both trying to figure it out. I I, I don't know. I'm not ever going to invest in something I don't understand. And so I've I've got to wrap my head yeah. around it first. Mm-hmm. Got it. Because Steven, that was an aggressive no. So was that no because you don't understand it? Was that no because right now you don't believe in it? To be honest, I don't believe in it just because uh, if you can create this land out of you know this this metaverse, then what's to say what has more value than the other? Because there's it's an unlimited supply at that point. So how is one piece more valuable than the other? All and right. maybe I'm just I don't know enough about it, but. No, I like I mean, my thoughts. all different perspectives on this show are, are appreciated. Love to hear that. That's your thoughts. All right. Now I got to get into. So the premise, guys, as you know, Joe Millionaire, you got 20 girls, two leads. One's a multimillionaire. One is working his way to be a multimillionaire, but is not. And the interesting thing is the women, it, some seem like they're, they're only trying to angle to be with the guy who is the multimillionaire, while others are truly just like, that's my type. I'm attracted to him. He's my guy. I'm going for him. So before the show, I wanted to ask you guys, as we're talking about money and relationships, they say infidelity is the number number one reason for divorce. Number two is money and disagreements. So coming into this show, like, have you ever had negative experiences? Kurt, we'll start with you. As far as financials or money in a relationship, that's something during this show that we have seen or will see might trigger you? You know, when I did, when I was younger, everybody was broke, right? So we're all just trying to make it and get by, never really affected. As I got older, I think, you know, I I don't know. I was never making a ton of money, but I was always pretty middle class. Like I said, I was in the construction industry. I was working hard. I was was well paid. Uh, So I guess the women just kind of, who were dating me, they kind of knew what they were getting. You know, they knew they were going to get a guy that was going to be on the grind, you know, all day and get home at night. And, you know, yeah, you you could afford some stuff. You're not going to be able to afford the finer things, but you still live a decent life. So for me, no, I don't think it really ever played a part in, in any of my relationships. Interesting. Okay. Steven? Yeah. For me, thankfully, I think for the most part, uh, all of my relationships were, were with quality women. I wouldn't, uh, I think intuitively I'd have known if they were there just for the money aspects of it. And, uh, you know, for the most part, any of my girlfriends, they they don't get the uh, the financial status. They don't get a lot of the the special things, you know, the, the good things that come with having a lot of money uh, because 
because I'm asset rich and cash poor, to be honest with you. So they say if you're in real estate, uh, don't ever let a real estate guy take you out to dinner because he has no cash. And that's exactly right. <laughs> you got them fooled, brother. I love it. All right. I, you know, this, this question, I'm almost thinking a lot of these questions. I wish David and I were on one of these dates. You guys could have been in a green room behind us and you could have heard the responses because this one would be a great question for them. But I'm also going to ask it to you because I got you here. But I did some research and it looks like one third of people who argue with their spouse about money situations admit to making purchases that their partner does not know about. So hidden purchases. I'm Ooh. curious, would you two say, I will start with you, Kurt, have you ever made a hidden purchase about something your significant other probably didn't know or wouldn't want to know? I I, I don't think I have, but I've been, I've been in a relationship where uh, she would hide the uh, all the packages from Fashion Nova and uh, <laughs> all those all those you know female uh, clothing websites. So what's uh, what's another big one? Um, Revolve. Gosh, Revolve. Yes, uh, the Revolve and Fashion Nova packages had to start getting hidden. <laughs> I love it. Just hiding them away. All right, how about you, Stephen? Yeah. Yeah, for me, uh, you know, I never really had any hidden purchases or ever tried to hide any of my purchases because it was my money and I was going to buy what I wanted to. <laughs> so, you know, I kind of made those, I established those ground rules pretty clear in all of my relationships. So there's no, uh, there's no joint bank accounts until I'm married and have that prenup signed. There's going to be none of that. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it. So any of these 20 girls angling to get wealthy, making more money on a Saturday afternoon, getting married, then uh, life's worth of work. It's not happening with Steven. Good no. luck. All right, guys, this is this is what I've been burning to ask you about. We got a little foundation. For anyone that doesn't know about the show, they now know about the show. They now know you two and your background. And one thing yeah. I, I saw last episode when I was watching it was Sarah Rose. She said it in her ITM, uh, ITM interview behind the scenes for anyone that's not uh, familiar with that, that she's looking for clues to who the millionaire is. So I got to imagine through this process, Stephen, you're thinking about how do I make sure I don't kind of fuck up and showcase I'm the multimillionaire. And I got to imagine, Kurt, you're thinking probably the opposite. Like I have to make sure that maybe I'm putting the front of the millionaire, but also I don't want to give away that I'm not the multimillionaire. Yeah. So Steven, what tactics did you use to hide being the multimillionaire? Kurt, what tactics did you use to stay in middle ground? And Steven, let's start with you. Yeah. Uh, number one, Kurt and I had a two drink limit that the producers would not let us go over. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we were able to, to stay pretty clear minded. Uh, but, you know, for me, I just spoke in generalities and uh, there'd be times where the women would start, you know, just firestorming off questions and you almost get so fast. You're just trying to respond to the question. You don't even think about it beforehand. So, you know, they'd ask me, well, how many cattle do you have? Right after a bunch of questions about farming and right off the top of my head, you know, I'd want to say 2,500. Uh, but I ended up just stopping myself and I'd say, oh, a few. Uh, or if they ask me, how many acres did I farm? I just say a few. I mean, that's all they need to know. They don't need to know the scale of it. Uh, and I, so I, I found that speaking in generalities really helped me out. Did you ever slip up at any point? The 2,500 would have been a big slip up. Did you <sighs> yeah. ever slip up that you're like, oh shit. I don't believe I did. I don't think there you was, did. No, there was one time I mentioned a uh, trip to Colorado, not really thinking that it was anything grandeur or anything. Yeah. And I got pulled apart from a producer and lit up. <laughs> <laughs> I love that behind the scenes stuff. It's also good to know that Bachelors, the, oh, the other is not the only franchise that has a two drink limit because I've heard MTV, <laughs> they don't care, but Bachelor. So what I did actually, my strategy is there was a guy there that didn't drink because he was very focused on his body. So I would have him go down and get me the two drinks and I'd rifle them down just so I could, you know, stay, <laughs> stay safe. Let, let me that. just uh, state that the women did not have that two drink limit. No, <laughs> okay. no. <laughs> There yeah, you go. Yeah. There's the inside uh, scoop. All right, Kurt, how about you? What are some tactics that you did to make sure you didn't give up that you were not the multimillionaire? Yeah, you know, and you can ask Steven. So I'm a terrible liar. So this was this was extremely difficult for me. And I'm not I'm not very good at uh, you know making shit up on the spot either. So I would deflect. I would just give roundabout answers. Be, uh, you know, they'd ask about travel. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I love to travel. Yeah, I travel to Nashville and New York like all the time, but that's it. I'm not, you know, going to Europe and stuff. So I would just, uh, you know, say stuff without saying too much uh, or, or say a lot without saying anything at all, actually. 
I was really good at that. And then I would just turn stuff right back around on them and just let them talk. That's yeah. where I thrive. And did you have any slip ups throughout the season that you're like, oh, I shouldn't have said that or maybe it gave it away? Not really. I think uh, I might have mentioned that, you know, I live in an apartment building, but I, you know, I don't know. It, it, I, I think I um, saying it is a it is a nice building. It's a high rise in uptown Charlotte. So I tried to play it up. I was like, oh yeah, well it's right in the middle of Charlotte. You know, it's trying to make it make it like a penthouse or something. It's it's not. It's a shoebox. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there you go. All right, so what Joel, was the go ahead, Dave. What was what was the lead time from finding out that you were going to be the leads to filming? Uh, officially, for me, yeah. it was like four days. Okay. Uh, they wouldn't give me a straight answer. So January, 2021 is when they found me and they kept going all the way along saying, yes, you need to clear this off your schedule. Like this is going to happen. And I'm saying, Hey, I've got to hire guys. Like this is a big position. If I'm going to be gone for seven weeks, like I got to get this figured out. And they're like, just plan on it happening. And then four days before they showed up at my hometown package, they said a thousand percent it's on, but I could not get confirmation before that. Wow. Now yeah. to add yeah. on to David's question, I want to ask both you guys this. Going into a reality TV show, uh, I mean, especially as a successful businessman, there is a lot of risk. What were some of your biggest fears coming into this entire process? Steven, let's start with you. Yeah, uh, for me, it was being portrayed as, uh, you know, someone that's like an arrogant, uh, you know, money hungry type of guy, because that's not who I am. I mean, I literally live blue collar lifestyle to a T. I, you know, I told you I'm, I may be rich in assets, but cash poor. I'm, you know, I don't enjoy the fancier things in life. I live in a town of 1700 people. And I was hoping that they weren't going to uh, try to frame my interview questions or my answers around me being this arrogant, pompous jerk. Yeah. And so that was my biggest concern. And thankfully, you know, that wasn't the case at all. They really took care of both Kurt and I on that end. That's good. How about you, Kurt? Any big fears coming into this? Yeah. I mean, honestly, fear of, I mean, at this time, my, my company, I was out, you know, getting new work and I had two jobs actually start while I was gone, while we were gone filming. Wow. So for me, it was, can I get the processes? Can I get the procedures set up for, for me to be gone, me, me to be away? And fortunately, I had just hired a superintendent who was able to look after some of the residential jobs I had going on. Some of the commercial jobs, I luckily had good subcontractors on board. I was able to manage those from afar. But it was just, uh, yeah, it was a lot of nerves. You know, it, am I going to take this risk of maybe maybe ruining a, a company that I've, I've built so hard or, or that I've worked so hard to build for this, you know, might be a successful reality show, might not be. So there was a big risk reward moment for me. I really had to take the scales out and say, okay, what, you know, what am I getting myself into? What's the long term here? You know, can I let my my construction company, uh, you know, take a little bit of a step or a setback here to get me into this new marketplace to gain access to this this whole new marketplace of business opportunities? So, it was it was definitely a difficult decision, um, and obviously it's turned out for the better. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the only way it was going to work, I know both Kurt and I talked about this. We had conversations with Four Nine Five Productions and Fox, and thankfully uh, they allowed us. We said, "There's no way we cannot go without our phones every single day." Mm -hmm. So the first two hours of every day, we got our phones. So from about six in the morning till about eight in the morning, Kurt and I were just on calls we constantly. I mean, we were walking around the living room, just call to call just to call. To yeah, that's bullshit. Yeah. And that's bullshit because on The Bachelor, we couldn't have our phone. March Madness was going on. I had no idea my bracket, what was happening. The world could have nah. literally blew up and I'm stuck in the little Bachelor bubble. So that is a huge fact that you guys had that to like even distract yourself and, and stay mentally in it is big. You talked a little bit about risk, yeah. risk reward. Did they offer compensation for taking on a role like this? Uh, yeah, I mean, not, not, uh, it wasn't much. It was not, it wasn't enough to make to make the decision, to be quite honest. Yeah. I made them, uh, or I asked them to well, help cover some of my uh, expenses as far as paying my superintendent and project manager. And they were good with that. So they, they definitely were very, um, very genuine or generous, I guess, with with bringing me on flexibility and stuff yeah. like that. Accommodating. Give me an yeah. over, give me yeah. over under $20,000 compensation. Over under. 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 Okay. That gives us that yeah. gives us yeah. an idea. Yeah. And that is in line with probably every reality uh, TV personality yeah. we have discussed and, and met with. Now that's compensation for being on the show. 
What about, I remember the old Joe Millionaire, there was this prize package. Yeah, think, right? what the hell, Kurt? We didn't get that. I couldn't no. find it anywhere. You guys didn't get it. No. What happened no. was, I think if the relationships, if you stayed in the relationship, you got yep. to split a million bucks. Like what the hell, yes. anything here? Nothing? No. Well, that was, whenever I got back home and I actually started digging into Joe Millionaire and I seen that prize package, I was like, Damn it, Kurt! We got gypped. What yeah. the hell? I, I didn't. I didn't even know about that. Had I? I mean, maybe we aren't good businessmen. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. I mean, hopefully, if there's an engagement, and I know you can't break the news. Hopefully, you know. And the Bachelor, you got a Neil Lane that gives you a ring. Hopefully, Fox has put something together, and the ring is is taken care of. I won't ask that because I don't want you to spoil anything. Uh, but I did read Stephen that you said uh, that you just found out literally. It was like two weeks before the role that you were playing that there were actually two of you. So how yeah. big of a surprise was that? And did you almost consider not taking on the role knowing that you got two dudes going after, you know, the 20 girls? Yeah. So I just told you about the fact that I was scared of already about looking like an arrogant, you know, pompous jerk, putting my reputation on the line because all of my bankers that I finance with everyone that knows me sure. is watching this show. And so that's a big fear of mine. And then I find out there's another guy on the show. And just to be completely candid with you, my initial thoughts are, again, are they going to pit us against each other? And then it's going to have me coming out looking like an arrogant jerk because I'm the multimillionaire here. And yeah. so it did. It freaked me out. And I was like, man, I don't know what to think about this. Uh, you know, and, and thankfully, whenever I met Kurt and we hit it off right off the bat, uh, it couldn't have worked out any better. But that was a big concern of mine. Interesting. Anything from your perspective there, Kurt? You know, so I had to figure all this out so quickly. They found me. I, I was the last piece to this puzzle, I imagine, because of, uh, of when they found me. They found me, I don't know, not even 60 days before filming. And then I was in LA within two weeks of the initial conversation, meeting with uh, 495 Productions. At that point, then that's when I got brought on that it was Fox was actually the network. So I met with Fox. And from there, I mean, shoot, that was that was probably six weeks before we left. And, and and I told them before I left LA, I was like, hey guys, I know you're not letting people know if they made it, they didn't make it. I said, but if you do want me, you got to let me know because there, there's systems I have to put in place to make this happen. And, uh, you know, I can't just pick up and go. I've used the line. I said, I'm not the millionaire here. So you got to let me know. Uh, so they, they did tell me a bit more information. I didn't know. Uh, I didn't know it was Steven, but they did let me in. Uh, you know, kind of more on the premise of the show because I kept a lot of the people in the dark on that. They definitely opened up to me a little bit to gain my trust. I couldn't imagine being alone in a house with that many girls. So you guys must have just saved each other having like a platform or a person to vent to and talk through yeah. and just ask yourself like, what is happening? Oh, um, it was so nice having Kurt there. I mean, we were in a separate house on the same property and there'd be nights that we'd get back from the dates and the girls would be like, all right, let's go hang out at the house. And Kurt and I are like, hell no, we're going to the guest house. Like we need to decompress and just like talk things over and we're out of here. Yeah. <laughs> I love yeah, that. System overload. I, I'm curious. I'm curious. Uh, you know, you found out four days before, uh, Kurt, you're saying like there was like a six week timeline. What's the mm -hmm. workout regime when you find out that you're the lead on the show with 20, 25 girls? Is it like actual <laughs> panic mode? No food diet, six workouts so, a day. Like what, tell me through it, walk it through it. Cause you guys look good. So well, thank you. Thank you. For me, uh, I was all summer long. I was trying to talk to the producers and I was like, look guys, if you tell me I'm on this show, I'm going to cut out my alcohol. I'm going to cut out my, you know, my cheat meals, my margaritas and my chicken nachos. <laughs> and they wouldn't give me one way or the other. And so then I'm still like, ah, well shit, I'm going to go out with buddies in. And so for the majority of the summer, you know, I was going out and then starting August 1st, I hit it pretty hard. No alcohol, uh, stair stepper, 30 minutes a day, working out a strength session a day and tried to get down as lean as I could. And I think right at the show, I was right about 11.5%, maybe a little lower. Uh, so I was able to get pretty lean. I was hoping to be sub 10, but, uh, I was hard. fairly happy. <laughs> Kurt, what about you? Uh, I, uh, I changed nothing. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I was, uh, it was scrambling. I was, so I'm grinding with work. I'm like, how am I going to make this happen? I, I didn't even know if I was going to be able to make it happen. So yeah, I was still working out. I mean, I work out about four nights a week. I got a buddy of mine, I went to college with we roommates. We're kind of workout buddies. So we, we keep each other accountable. So I was still hitting that, but it was, uh, the days were getting longer with construction, just trying to get stuff knocked out before I went. So I was working longer days, not really working out as much as I should have been. And then the freaking quarantine killed me. I wasn't, I'm a lizard. So 
Uh, I spend all my time at the pool. If I can't, or all my spare time at the pool, you know, after work or something, I hit the pool and hit the gym. Uh, so then we were stuck in this hotel for what? Seven days, eight days. No, not, I think it was like nine days by the end of it. So then I got all pale. Uh, we yeah. didn't have a, we didn't have a gym. So I'm just working out on anything I can yeah. <laughs> at the hotel. You know, yeah, David, um, last episode, they had to do this thing where they got dared to do 10 pushups each, if you remember that. It. And they, they took it, their yeah. shirts off. I think you and I should maybe copy their plan, buddy. Cool. That's exactly <laughs> why I went to my phone. I'm like, ask about workout plan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. Well, Kurt, I got to ask you about this because you had mentioned that someone said like, was that a, was that a hit on your ego at all that, you know, you weren't the multimillionaire and you said it was yeah. inspiring, but I also got to yeah. think like constantly you 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 have to be thinking a little bit like are these girls going to be disappointed is it is there some type of insecurity that is maybe coming to fruition because i'm not the multimillionaire like at any point through the process was there any time that your ego like was a little damaged or you had insecurities that you were concerned about and, and just kind of how did you overcome that yeah i think i'm unique in the fact that i i checked my pride a long time ago and when I did, my life uh, became exponentially more successful uh, in, in every aspect, in my friendships, in my relationships. So I think pride is just can really hinder men and women. I mean, we're being honest, but, it, but yeah, it can really, can really hurt men, I think, in their success and in their friendships and their relationships. So I, I try to keep a close watch on that. Don't let pride get in the way of anything you do. Now, uh, I guess back to your question, though. I didn't want to be a prize. So it was a little worrisome. What if someone picks me because they think I am the millionaire? You know, what if, uh, so that's, that, that's what I was worried about. I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be the prize because, you know, I was the guy in the show and they won. So they get the guy in the show and I didn't want to be the prize because, oh, maybe he's, you know, this, this, you know, filthy rich guy. Mm -hmm. So that, that was more my concern. Yeah. That, I mean, those are, those concerns make perfect sense. And it seems like you're super level-headed, which is a perfect guy uh, to be in this role. Steven, for you though, when you're going through this, I feel as though when I was single and dating, if someone had those intentions of trying to be with you because of maybe your success or your job or your fame, to me, it's relatively transparent. In the back of your head, you got to be going through this process thinking, I got to try and spot out someone who might be doing just that. Is it as transparent as you would think on a show like this, or did you find challenges in determining who was really wanting a relationship with you and who was potentially wanting a relationship with the guy that has the money? Honestly, I feel like by about the midway point of the season, maybe a little after, Kurt and I uh, had really figured out, you know, who was there for the right reasons and, you know, who was there looking for the fame or the money or who was genuinely there to see if they could find a relationship. And I think, I think, you know, being able to read how genuine someone is, uh, especially in that type of time period where you have four to five weeks with them, is pretty easy to do. It's hard to fake it for that long. Yeah, I think you're right. You're, something's going to break within that time period. Mm -hmm. One thing yeah. I, I'm curious about, and I know David's got a question here. I want to ask this, though. I want to flip the script. How curious were you guys of the background and the financials and the careers of the girls? Because they, I liked it that they did show the careers of all the women. There are a lot of attorneys and mm -hmm. they, I saw a social media manager. I saw a couple influencers. Like, did those conversations come up where you were intriguing and asking them all about their background, their careers? And yeah. in your head, how did that benchmark? Like, what are you looking for when you look for someone in a partner and their career? Yeah. I mean, honestly, you know, they, they were able to speak about their careers, what they do, uh, you know, pretty openly. And, you know, we found out that there was a few women on the show that had a higher net worth than Kurt and I combined. Uh, <laughs> so on. yeah, no, I swear. Yeah. So yeah, there were some women there that were very, very successful in their own right. Can we get some um, names or no? Uh, yeah. Well, Jenny, for instance, okay. one of them, she's an attorney out of uh, California. Very, very successful is doing very well for herself. And then, uh, uh, but yeah, I mean, so we were able to, to see that these women had a lot going for them. And for me personally, uh, from a financial status standpoint, uh, I'm not looking for financial status. What I'm looking for are the character traits that build into financial status. So hard work, dedication, perseverance, uh, you know, the willingness to endure through trial and tribulation and to stick to something and to finish something. That's what I'm looking for in a woman. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You could have said it better. I'm looking, you know, same exact thing. And that's why we, we align so much. You know, I want a badass chick. <laughs> I want a, I want a girl who's got some, yeah, some strength, some mental fortitude to go out there 
and persevere, you know, get knocked down a few times and say, you know what, this is what I want. I'm going to go get it. And for me, that, that is, um, you know, reflection of yourself and what you look for in a partner. Right. So I think if, you know, both of us being honest, I think we both want women like that to build careers with, build businesses with, and build, build a future with. And Steve, you mentioned uh, four or five weeks getting to know them and, and really finding out about them. Is that how long filming was? And then do you, did you guys spend, did you guys get to see the girls every day? I mean, obviously I always go fall back to the bachelor, which you can go a week with seeing them for like a cocktail hour <laughs> at the, at the most, which is incredible we, uh, crazy yeah Freaking we did crazy get, we got pretty frustrated sometimes because it felt like it was kurt and i that were uh on camera in the guest house for days at a time but yeah i mean for the most part we seen the women every day the the length of time was definitely varied sometimes it yeah. was two minutes <laughs> sometimes it was all day uh yeah. there towards the end you really got to spend more time as we got down to about 10 women mm. that's when we really got more time spent with them Good stuff. Little mental, yeah. middle mental warfare. <laughs> yeah, fil- fil- <laughs> filming though, filming though, David was eight weeks of actual okay. filming. I think the total time length we were gone was a little over nine because we had the quarantine and all, and all that. It was, you know, we had to jump through a lot of COVID hoops. Yeah. Yes. Speaking yeah. of mental, well, there's, a, there's a lot of making out happening. So you want to make sure that the COVID hoops <laughs> tested every day. Uh, yeah, that is very true. That is very true. You, you make out, you make out, and then production sticks a swab up your nose. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> speaking of uh mental warfare though one thing i was thinking about is if you two are attracted or into the same girl like was that ever a concern did that ever happen oh yeah it happens we had uh kurt called them switzerland because they had no alliance to either kurt or i they kind of played them they they played the middle and so we didn't know which way you know which one of us they really liked and it uh you know it led it's friendly competition, but competition nonetheless. I mean, you know, Kurt mm-hmm. and I are, uh, we like to consider ourselves two alpha guys. So yeah, we, you know, yeah. had some, some competition. Yeah. Fortunately, uh, aesthetically we're into different women. Yes. So, thank God for that. Yeah. <laughs> our, 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 our typical, you know, women, uh, different. And we knocked that question out right off the, the first bat. day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who are, what kind of women do you like, uh, you know, historically? There you so. go. I love it. A little bit of battling, uh, a little bit of, uh, deception here on your end. What are some things like, as we're tuning into the rest of a Joe millionaire, what are some things that uh, the the viewer, whether they're watching for the whole financial aspect, they're watching for you know the whole personal aspect, or they just want some good reality TV? What are some things that we could look forward to in the rest of the season? Yeah, uh, you know, for me, Kurt and I are not reality TV guys. I don't even have cable in my house. Kurt doesn't have a television in his living room. You know, so we're not TV watchers. So I always thought reality TV was you know fake as it as it gets. And so I was like, I'll go down here. You know, it'd be awesome if I met a girl, but I'm not really going to feel true emotion. And then you're taken away from your everyday life, taken away from your family and friends. And in that environment, everything is emotional roller coaster to the 10th degree. So, you know, you are a, uh, basically a a wreck the entire time. And, uh, you know, all the emotions that you see on camera are hundred percent authentic and it's as it happened. Yeah, it, it, it uh, and you know, Jason, you've been on it. It is a weird psychological experiment, isn't yeah. it? it? It totally. And then add this layer of the money thing on top. I don't know how that played into it, but just the experience in itself is a psychological experiment. So dealing with that, when you, especially when you realize what you're in and when you're in the middle of it and you're, you know, you're having these checks with yourself all the time, uh, but the emotions do get the better of you. Uh, absolutely. Uh, what was even the original question? I got a little, little uh, sidetracked there. What can viewers expect? Yeah. Oh, uh, what can viewers expect? Dude, this is where I give you the chance to tease your show, man. <laughs> what can viewers expect? So, it, you know, I don't know because we're not privy to how this thing has has been edited and cut up. However, there were some funny girls on the show. Uh, Steven and I, I like to think, uh, are pretty comical ourselves. So uh, I think it'll be a very entertaining show. There's Absolutely. some good humor in there. And yeah. Yeah, maybe there's, a little there's bit of love. some there's some dudes uh having an emotional breakdown there's a group date where all the women are out there chatting together <laughs> trying to figure out where the two guys went and kurt and i are in the bathroom yeah. <laughs> just, just like having a, a mental meltdown yeah, yeah. i was ready i was honestly ready to leave i think that's when i realized uh yeah, I, I wasn't confident if this thing was going to hit or not so i'm thinking shit what am i sacrificing sure and then on top of that it, and because part of what you're sacrificing is, is almost your integrity to a point right sure. and and our life's going 
on after this. And we have to date women. We have to look them in the eyes, either the women that we picked up the show or women after. And, and they have to be able to believe us in the things we tell them. So that was a was was hard for me. I was questioning myself. And then, then Stephen was questioning himself as well. And, and I think everybody involved in one of those shows has to have that moment, right? Now that we're talking about the, you know, teasing the end of the show, and you mentioned a little bit about after the show effects, is there any hope or plans to kind of pick up some of the, you know, passive income, uh, revenue income that being an influencer or Instagram can can bring to your to your guys's plate? I think we'd all be lying if we said that wasn't a a goal or a plan. Yeah. Uh, you know, for for given this opportunity to to be given this platform, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll be tuning in to this podcast more often, Jason, because I see I see that you you do bring on a lot of people in this world and that are already in this marketplace. So. We'll definitely be tuning in more to that, seeing how to capitalize on that. But also, I, I think it's a it's, it's brand awareness, and you know, Stephen is really good at branding and has been branding, and that's that's something I'm trying to learn too. And and I've got some brands that I'm working on, so this definitely the exposure of this uh, will be capitalized on. Yeah, I was actually right when I interrupted you there. Uh, sorry, I was going to say you got to go listen to our second ever episode with Joe Galliazay, the CEO of Viral Nation, because I think that, you know, we talk about we talk to a lot of people in a lot of different industries, but it always comes back to this like social media influencing mm. and just the way advertising and marketing has changed. Mm. And I'm just I'm not even a Joe millionaire. I'm a Joe Joe hockey coach who just <laughs> happens to be friends with Jason. And I know that that episode like completely blew me away and, and mm -hmm. educated me so much. And you guys are going through it right now. I got your Instagrams up right now. I'll give you a good follow here, but uh, <laughs> I love the show. My wife put me on the show. My wife, yeah, right? My wife put me on the show. We love it. So uh, I was excited when Jade texted me yesterday saying we we're going to get a chance to talk to you guys. So awesome oh, yeah. well yeah. we appreciate it guys this is awesome it's been it's is definitely a little different podcast than what we've been doing but like uh like kurt said the entire time we were in the guest house all we talk about was business and uh finances and and what our plans are after this so it was nice to actually do a podcast about yeah it. yeah we, yeah this is, uh, this is awesome we appreciate that kurt when you're all done and you're you any other guys have any questions about that game you guys just let me know before we wrap though this is how we end every podcast i got to get one trading secret from you guys it could be about the show it could be about career navigation. It could be about financial management. Essentially, the trading secret is something you can't read in a textbook. You can't learn in a classroom. Something that uh, you know someone might be looking for any kind of like inspiration. Again, it could be about the show behind the scenes, career navigation, gotcha. or financial management. Need one trading secret. Who wants to go first? Uh, I'll just I'll just go ahead, Stephen. I'll get mine in a second. Yeah, uh, you know, I would say anything that you do or any success that you're going to find. Is going to take double the money you think it is and 10 times the effort that you think it is. I like that. Double the money, That's 10 good. times the effort. That's a good one. One we certainly haven't had yet. So thank you for that, Stephen. Kurt? Uh, so mine is going to be, mine's very personal. And this is just what I learned uh, when I started my company. I didn't have near enough money saved up. And, and I had a, a conversation with myself and I says, just do what you're passionate about. Do what you love and just work. Just keep working. And you'll figure it out. And I got to say, I haven't needed or wanted one thing since I started my company. I just keep my head down. I work and the money comes. So it's brilliant advice, guys. We appreciate uh, you coming on, learning more about the show. Uh, we're anticipating, excited for what's coming up. Anybody that hasn't heard of you guys, but now knows about the show and now knows about you and wants to learn more or follow along. Kurt, let's start with you. Where can people find you on social media uh, or any business that you have? Where can they go? Yeah, you can find me at sir underscore Kurt on Instagram, also on Twitter. Don't get on it that often. IG is probably my uh, main social media uh, app. I don't have anything for the construction company yet. I'm working on the website. However, it's not really something uh, probably going to even really promote a brand that much. Like I said, I just work for a couple of developers and kind of keeping it small for now. Beautiful. Kurt, if you want to grow that social, especially that Twitter, start live tweeting these shows. People want to hear your opinion. That yeah. following will grow massively. All right. Give okay. it to me, Steven. Wonder, uh, yeah. Where can people find you? Yeah, I'm on IG mostly. Uh, Steven McBee is my name on there on Twitter, Steven underscore McBee. Uh, and then all of my companies, I'm constantly posting about them or they're in my bio. So just get on there and you'll find them as well. Beautiful. All right, guys, that's the, the Joe Millionaires. We appreciate you guys coming on. Congrats on all your success. We will be watching closely to see what happens. Guys, thank you so much. Really enjoyed this. Seriously. Awesome. We yeah, appreciate Dave, it. David, Jason, this is awesome. Way better than the other podcast. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> 
Ding, ding, ding. We are closing in the bell on the Joe Millionaire for Richer or for Poorer podcast. That was a wild one. But what's more wild than that podcast and talking to these guys, especially as the show is airing by the week, is the whole concept of the show. What a wild spin on things. You got two guys. One's a multimillionaire. One is far from that but the girls don't know. David, before I even get into like, just like your questions on the podcast and things we want to cover, I feel like you would have an interesting take on just the whole premise of the show. So give me like, when you hear about the concept, what are you thinking? So I watched the show. You texted me yesterday saying that we were going to have these guys on. I was super pumped. I think it's a phenomenal concept, to be honest. Like, you know, I think we are very much pro not programmed but like we hold the bachelor as like the gold standard of what dating show should be i just watched the last episode and you could hear the girls talk about are you in on this guy or this guy and you know girls being like i'm in on kurt and if it's not him like i'm gone like i just think that that's so refreshing rather than trying to fit a square peg in a round hole only having one host and like all these people are forced to like them you're giving the the contestants two options which means you're going to get a little more genuine approach to the show because they have more options yeah so i think like that side of it is really really cool that's a really really good point is the fact that like the one girl's like well i remember in that last episode she said well it's a good thing there's not just one of them because the one girl said i am into one i'm not into the other and if it was the other i'd be gone Right. And you think about how many times in The Bachelor that happens or how many times people just want to win for ego so they can keep going. They end up with that person and it doesn't work out. One interesting thought I had that actually I want your take on this, David, is the whole premise of like the the identifying like uh, like the, the whole gold digger thing. Right. Like if you were in their shoes and you were single how sensitive would you be to that? Because they were acting like, yeah, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm looking for it, but I'm not very, like, they just seem very easygoing about it where I would be like hyper intensive, analytical, like who's in this for the money and who's not. Yeah. It's a hard question because I've never had money. So <laughs> I don't know how, <laughs> I don't know how protective I would be. I don't know. I feel like almost the person with the money could really be more relaxed about it in a sense. Like I think the person with the money, they have nothing to lose. Like they can just go out, be themselves, like go on a whim and kind of see how everyone reacts. I think the other person would be the one who maybe is a little more insecure, a little tighter, a little more strategic about the thing because they want to be liked for genuine reasons because they don't have the money. Whereas the person who has the money, if they're not liked for genuine reasons, then they're just on to the next one. So I think like the person with the money has the opportunity to kind of just be more like nonchalant about it. Yeah, because if you think about it, imagine like that's got to be one of the biggest fears. If you are the person that doesn't have the money and you think you just fell in love and proposed and they find out and you see even the slightest bit of disappointment on their face, that is an image in your face or in your brain you will never forget, ever. But the good news is if you end up with a girl and then finds out that you're not the millionaire, and she leaves you, at least that's done and gone with. Because if you are the guy with the money and the girl ends up with you because she thinks you have the money and she finds out you are the millionaire, and you'll never know if the, if it's genuine or not. Yeah, you could that, just think that she was chasing. So it's like double-edged sword. It's a good point. Uh, David, you know this, but we have a Restart All Access group and the members from the group can come on live to our podcasts and they can network with each other and we have an array of things that they get. But if anyone's listening here and has interest in joining that, just shoot me an email, restart at jasontardic.com. I say that because uh, one of our members, Brianna, had as, as a great question that I totally agree with. And, and Brianna said that it's interesting because Kurt is like, he's like an average person with like a decent income. And he's not like this poor person, like the the show maybe might make him out to be. I do actually find that kind of interesting that they have this multimillionaire and this guy who's like in a really good position to be a millionaire or multimillionaire in a few years. It doesn't seem like the two are so transformatively different that the shock value when they're not this multimillionaire is justified, right? I guess my point is, it's not like we have a some guy who they cleaned up off the streets and is like, goes from homeless, like does it like literally has no home and is a multimillionaire. What's your take on that? I think the producers did a really good job of, of choosing the two people to contradict what the contestants probably think. I mean, they play the roles uh, perfectly. 
they got to play that angle. I think they picked the perfect person in Kurt to be the non-millionaire. He's humble. He's grateful. He's looking, he's with him. He's living with a multimillionaire for two months. He's learning from him. He's asking for advice. He's, I think they picked a really, really good group of them, but you know, TV show, TV shows are going to TV show. They're going to yeah. make him look like he's a poor schlub, but <laughs> I just find the the perception of the whole thing really interesting. Cause he, he's got a little more suave. He's got a little more swag. He's got the long hair. He's got the more like, you know, manicured like facial features and in his in, in those things. So I think that they picked two perfect people for the roles. For sure. Now another question, uh, Lizzie from our Restart All Access group, and you guys can join. Just shoot me an email, restart at jasontardic.com. But Lizzie asked about my prediction on what Kurt and Steven will make through social media in the first year off the show. This is a really tough question. Before you answer, have you looked at their Instas? Well, I, and uh, yes, I, and it's not much, right? One has yeah, 6,000 following, shocked. one has 33,000 following, right? Yeah, Kurt has 8,000. So we'll see if the show is is driving the demographic that increases the following. With that following, it's going to be tough to monetize significantly. Based on what we're seeing, we're a couple episodes in. Uh, I think they should expect, because I think you know when they get engaged and stuff like that, if they do, it'll it'll be bigger. I would say like a couple hundred thousand dollars, I think they'll be able to monetize. The one big thing for both of them, which most people that come on these shows don't have, is they already have infrastructure. They have capital, they have expertise, and they have businesses that already exist. So most people that you see, they start a business after they go on the show because they built a platform. Not many people have this infrastructure like both of them do. So I think they will mm -hmm. both severely impact, uh, you know, have much impact because I'm thinking uh, both of them will, will net at least 200K. And if I took a guess on how much, it sounds like they were probably paid, it said under 10, 20K. I'm going to guess they were paid 10K each to do this show. I just, I just love their honesty in, in the question that I asked and be like, yeah, of course we're looking to create income through the new platform and exposure that we have on the show through social media. Like there's, they're, they're smart dudes. They, they get it for sure. Oh, Steve, dude, um, they're both, they're both really bright guy. I want to give him credit. Yeah. They are both really bright and really good looking dudes. Yeah. Steven was one of those like guys who, uh, when he talked, I was like, Ooh, this is going to get over my head real quick. <laughs> so I had a question. They said they get their phones from six in the morning to eight in the morning every day that they negotiated. I thought that was like a phenomenal thing. I know the contestants on the bachelor don't get their phones. Do you know if the leads get their phones? I'm starting to hear that like stories of people that actually got their phones, like Adam AG from the bachelor came on. He got his phone to do some business stuff. I remember when mm -hmm. Colton was the bachelor, he got his phone for certain things to check in with his family. And I think the leads, they'll make exceptions. I think the standard okay. rule is you don't get your phone. That's, this is again, this is my, I don't know for sure. I'm guessing you don't get your phone, but they'll make exceptions. I think for the leads. Okay. And then one other question I got to ask, because we asked them and I really wanted to ask you, what's your biggest bar tab? Oh boy. Uh, what is my <laughs> biggest dude? Probably honestly, your bachelor party, you bastard. <laughs> <laughs> I think one of them, one of the guys that I split and it was like six or seven grand. So it's probably 3,500 each. Oh yeah. So my biggest one was a bachelor party too, that I was at in Arizona and it was me and the best man. We're going to split it and then probably just get Venmo from everybody. And then his car got declined. And so I had to put it all in my car. It was like 6,700 bucks. Ooh, I was like, oh my God. Yeah. And I'm steep. not, that's, that's Steve. Yeah. Um, was, yeah. I think Bob, like it. you talk about the dumbest, dumbest way ever to spend money. It's on bottle service. It's so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> the dumbest thing. It is. David, there was actually one other thing I wanted to see if you knew. And if you didn't know, I was going to explain it because you're my voice of the viewer. When yeah. he said $10 million of wealth on paper, uh, mm -hmm. did you understand exactly what that meant or no? And just be honest with me. I'm going to take a stab. And this is take a stab. hopefully doesn't go over like my definition of millionaire. <laughs> uh, I think on paper net worth has to be assets in terms of if I own 10 houses and they all are worth a million dollars, then I have $10 million of on paper net worth. Yeah. That's, that's, that's like pretty much accurate. It's the equity. So it'll be your equity minus like whatever liability you have. Right. So it's the asset value minus any like liability you'd have. Right. So if let's say you have a million dollar property and it's valued at that and the outstanding debt on that property is 200 K on paper, you'll have 800 K of okay. worth. Right. But the thing is, is if I say I have a $10 million net worth, but I have on paper, eight properties that value at 8.2 million, that doesn't really capture 
Like it's not like I have 8.2 million in cash sitting there. That means I have right. assets that have a value that I could probably liquidate for that amount. And so when a bank is looking at lending to an individual or a company, they'll ask for a personal financial statement so you could see the assets that you're lending against. So you pretty much nailed it. That was that, but you know we'll have to see. Uh, we'll have to see what happens here. Any uh, any other things before we wrap it up with the Joe Millionaire episode? No, I I gotta say I watched The Bachelor uh, last night, and then I watched this show tonight, and I gotta say there's elements of the show that I'm I'm questioning. Like I was watching the bed. The first off, the last episode of The Bachelor might have been one of the worst on records. You <laughs> give people like Cassidy and Shanae way too much FaceTime for the for the wrong reasons. Um, you know. It, the bachelor does this in the first four or five episodes they give you the drama and then they get to the relationship sometimes it's too little too late these people are in the final four you don't even know who they are the joe millionaires given me they're giving me some some better uh character building relationship building i'm feeling joe millionaire right now so i'm just gonna keep going back and forth all right so right now david is team joe millionaire with production so. and engagement entertainment i, I like so. that we'll see yeah. where you are at the end of the season it'll yeah. be interesting to see how this show is doing with ratings and stuff like that so we'll mm -hmm. check that out at the end of the season maybe we'll recap with these guys uh once the show's over to see if they're engaged or they're not engaged it'd be interesting to hear the take of the women they end up with as they and I would like to journey. I would like to do a little bachelor data for Joe Millionaire data and see what their social followings are at and the opportunities they've got too. But my last two cents, those two are great guys. We get we have a long list of males and females we've had on here that we want to get a drink with at a bar at a happy hour at some point. I think these two guys are definitely added to the list. Those two make the list. And guess who else makes the list? Alex Rodriguez. Where, who, where we are going to podcast with in just a couple weeks. So guys, thank you so much for being on another episode of Trading Secrets. Please remember to give us five stars, throw a review in there. We are listening. We are watching and literally reading each of them and screenshotting them to one another. So your voice is heard. We appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Trading Secrets. One, we hope you could not afford to miss.